Welcome to the Cinemondo Podcast with Kathy, Mark, and Burke talking about movies, horror, sci-fi, unusual, unknown, forgotten, underappreciated, always interesting. How about unexpected? Unexpected. Oh. Mm. Unexpected. Unproduced. <laughs> Unrelenting. <laughs> Unappealing. 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 Un- unwatchable. There's Always. a few unwatchable. Unappealing. <laughs> We're going to talk about unappealing movies. Unappealing movies. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, there's some movies that are unappealing. There, there's, it's a weird thing. I've talked to, the, to a lot of people about this, people who love movies. Some movies you enjoy. Some movies give you a feel-good and make you happy. And some movies are downers, right? Some mm-hmm. movies are just bleak and dark. But for some reason, we like them. Why? Why do we like well, those give movies a, with bummer endings? Well, you know? Give me a bummer ending movie. Like any, basically anything about a crime. You know, it's like the the only thing you can expect. Like in a murder, a murder mystery, the person who's murdered is not coming back, mm-hmm. and the point of the film is to catch the murderer. Yeah. So the the best thing that can happen is if the person is caught and then they go to prison, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I was thinking about that because I love all the true crime shows like on ID Discovery and you know, stuff like that. And every time I watch those, you know, whether it's, you know, Joe Kenda, Homicide Hunter, you know, or See No Evil is my new favorite where the actual show how surveillance video helps them solve a crime. They'll see mm. like the person or a person in a car or whatever. Right. So you're watching it. I love seeing the bad guy get caught. So I'm always like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to see this guy get caught. He's such a horrible person. He killed this wonderful person who was nice to everyone. Here's a horrible person. So you're watching it, expecting a big cathartic feel. But what ends up happening is the whole thing is so fucking sad. Mm. Everything is sad. The reason the person is killed was something stupid. And it's always just like, oh, that wasn't fun at all, really. Because now there's this horrible person who's still alive, goes to jail, while this really nice person who's really cool died horribly. Hmm. It's like, why is this so gratifying? Why do I want to watch this when it just ends up being a bummer at the end? I mean, is it because we want to we want to feel safe? We want we we want to see this stuff and see that the yeah. forensic people are so smart and the the police are investigating everything so well and that they and the procedural thing is fun too. Yes. You you want to see the the things the procedure that they go through to catch the person. You want to see the you know the techniques and the science behind it. Well, the see no evils especially. Um, disturbing because they'll show a video of the person who's maybe walking down the street completely unaware that they're about mm-hmm. to die and they're leaving the mall and they're walking to the car with a bag of dog food and they're doop de doop de doop and then you see this other person this dark shape falling right. behind her and you're like oh my god so it's like you just hear these people just doing these mundane things they're running their errands and the next thing you know so it's like this really abrupt like halt to this normal life yeah it's terrifying. I mean, yeah. it's terrifying to think, you know, you apply it to yourself. And well, you yeah, think, that's oh. what you, but, and, and you watch it and you go, well, <clears throat> that hasn't happened to me yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's good. That's Maybe right. I'll Maybe be that's more prepared. Yeah. yeah. Or, yeah, you're always sort of like, you know, keep your, you're just always looking over your back and stuff. Yeah. Cause of, well, I but, know that they say, like, the best place you can, well, not the best place you can die, but um, <laughs> if you want to, uh, you know, have lots of evidence, if you're ever to be involved in a crime, I guess Walmart is one of the, oh, they have more surveillance cameras than any other, like, store, apparently. So every time there's some kind of crime happening there, the cops are like, yes, because they know there's going to be tons of surveillance there. And That's that interesting. And that is usually what happens. Wow. Yeah. That'd be funny in a Walmart. film if somebody's being followed and they they see a Walmart in the distance and the goal of the film is to get to the Walmart before <laughs> yeah, the but there's no left turns them. you know they, right. there's no left turns right. you can't get there so <laughs> you like can't an get hour and a half it's like after hours I can't get to Walmart 
to hopefully not die. And there's exactly. these things in the street that are smashing down. <laughs> and you have to time like, the way you run across the street. A galaxy quest. Yeah. Exactly. Why are there smashy things on the freeway? That was so a fun good. movie. That yeah. was such a good, good. movie. I love it. Speaking that. of true crime. <laughs> Just like Galaxy Quest. <laughs> we could do a deep dive on Galaxy Quest. That's a great That would be great. Movie. And that's a feel good one. You know, that one is a movie with the end of it you're just cheering. Yes. It was so surprising because I saw it thinking, yeah, oh, this might be, who knows if this is going to be any good. And I was right. so surprised yeah. how good it was. So good. You know? well, I've watched it a bunch of times, too, yeah. and I don't do that very often. Yeah. Being a sci-fi nerd myself, I, when I heard about it, I thought, oh, they're going to get it wrong. They're going to mm-hmm. c- completely miss the point of fandom and, mm-hmm. and you know, TV shows, nerdy TV shows like Star Trek and all that. But they nailed it. They got it they so really so it. right. It's so funny. But back to back to the to the terrors and horrors of true crime. crime. True crime's <laughs> having a moment. Yeah. It's everywhere all the time. And Kathy, you are an, I would consider yourself an I, expert. I I would be an expert. I'd be, I you know, we were there when this started with Paradise Lost, which is like one of the big, you know, true crime. I think people use the Paradise Lost as a template. If yeah, I think the Paradise F- Joe Lost. Berlinger, Brusinovsky yep. documentary about crime. Sort of proto-modern true crime right. film that just, you know, I I know that, you know, full disclosure, Kathy and I were in the, and, and our friends, you know, Grove and Lisa and a, a whole bunch of other people were in the films, the, the second two in the trilogy. And so we have a really close relationship to that case and the story and the feeling of being followed around by people with cameras and being a subject of documentary filmmakers. It's, it's weird to step into a story like that because we were interested in the story before the filmmakers asked if they could film us. Mm -hmm. And when they asked us, we became a part of that story. It was like through the looking glass. It really was a strange feeling, and now you you know when those when you watch those films, when I watch them, I I still feel a little bit detached from the story. But then I'm then there's me in there, and I'm like, oh, I was. Yeah. Well, in a weird way, it, it almost made it feel almost less like authentic in a weird way because we were, and we should say this for a whole another podcast. But yeah, when you <laughs> when will. you're going to you know a courthouse to see. <clears throat> You know something about you know what's happening in in the trials or you know appeals, and they're you're surrounded by cameras and and boom mics and then a bunch of crowd of people around you watching you being filmed by a bunch of cameras and boom <laughs> there's a boom mic it it feels like you're in a movie versus in reality just being covered and you get that feeling after having seen it as a film and a story that we followed really closely before we were a part of the documentary process. Seeing these people in real life, it was hard. In a weird way, it felt a little bit like when we first met Mark Byers, when he came walking up to us, it felt like we were seeing a character from a film walking up to us. And he's such a character. Yeah, he's he's our friend, of course, but... At the he time, is our friend now, people. In case anyone's wondering, yeah. If anybody wonders, yeah, we're all we're, we're all buds. We're all good, but he <laughs> um at the at that time hated us and really hated us, and so it was it could it could have been scary if we if the filmmakers hadn't been there. It, I think it, it would have been scary. Yeah. But then again, once I saw Mark and Mark walked up to us and we were talking to him. He wasn't scary. Yeah, he turned it off. He was just kind of like low-key. Hmm. He was very amped up on film. None of the people that seemed to 
hate us in those days were scary, actually. They just seemed like they were performing for the cameras. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we could kind of, we could sort of use that in our minds as a thing like, this isn't real. This is just fiction. Yeah. You know, this is yeah. just happening for the cameras. Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't fiction, obviously, but you could, you could get, you could kind of psych yourself into feeling, okay, this is a, this is a story. But it is interesting to to see a crime, you know, hear about a crime, whether it's through a documentary or reading it or one of these crime shows, and then wanting to get involved in like trying to solve. If it, maybe it's an unsolved crime, like it's a mystery um, or a missing person, whatever it is. I mean, that's what's happening right now. We have like a million podcasts and you know, ID TV shows about you know unsolved crimes or solved crimes. Um, and you have a whole website, Web Sleuths, where it's a bunch of people in you know different parts of the world, and they're all talking about one crime, trying to solve it. And they still they're still talking about and trying to you know litigate the West Memphis Three case, even yeah. though it's technically it's unsolved. But yeah, it's unsolved. The point of the um, films was to these innocent men in prison for the crime, but it is an unsolved crime. So people are still trying to figure this out. And so that seems to be happening now. In fact, I saw. Um, you know, it was that Golden State Killer thing. Did you guys keep up with that? Uh, yes. How, uh, with, um, yeah. Pat Oswalt's late wife. Who yeah, wrote Michelle. The book. Michelle, yeah. I can't remember her last name. She, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, and so they were following that case. That was like, you know, the East Side Rapist. Yeah. Um, and uh, East Area Rapist. And that was solved recently by Paul Holes, who's a detective, uh, a retired detective, who, who, it was like his last day on really? the, when he... Was they were finally getting the DNA and they're trying to find a match and they they think they had the guy but they needed to get his DNA and then he he retired and then they it all broke after he retired uh. but he still got to be part of it he was still at the press conference um, he now has a podcast about unsolved crimes and he's enlisting people's help it's called Murder Squad so that's a great one because he lays it all it's not just like you know um, armchair detectives talking about the case we have an actual detective. And a crime journalist talking about these cases in a very official way. Mm-hmm. And then they're giving you all these details and they're actually showing crime scene photos on their website to help you, you know, recognize things or, you know, get in the scene. So they're asking for help from people. So I think that's a really interesting sort of, you know, America's most wanted type way to approach the whole true crime thing. Well, we got accused of being armchair detectives. Carpet baggers. And carpet baggers and whatnot <laughs> and, and other things I won't even say. Yeah, that we can't. We shouldn't say on a podcast for little kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you saw that first movie <clears throat> and you were so affected by yeah. it that you felt you had to do something. And that's how a lot of people are feeling. And I think too. that's what's happening yeah. now with these uh, there's all these documentaries that are on Netflix or streaming mm-hmm. services that you watch. You just watch them because they're you know stranger than fiction. Yeah. And then you say I if I can be a part of this and help in any way. Yeah. Well, but the, you know. the thing is we got accused of that, but what the, what we what we did was we just put everything on the website. We tried to right. put everything on there. Mm-hmm. And we we ha- we talked with each other early about our perception, our public persona and our the way we pe- you know, we, the way we wanted people to see us as far as our involvement with the case. And we wanted them to know that we were completely honest and open. And that we weren't editing anything, we weren't redacting anything, we weren't cutting anything out or adding anything. I did things, I wrote things on the website that were clearly opinion, and they were labeled <laughs> opinion. And I expressed my, you know, we all expressed our opinion on online in discussion groups and things like that. But the the evidence files that we published 
were unedited. It was everything. It was the whole everything. Yeah, there were people in Arkansas you know, helping us get yeah. the, uh, the all the files from the police department, all the transcripts, and putting them on the website. Oh, we scanned, and we had a team of people that were typing. And you know, back in the old days, when you had to take a, a, a photocopy and literally type it and OCR it and all this stuff. Or scan them one at a time. Yeah. Because they were all hard copies. And this is like boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes of documents. A lot of people doing a lot of work. And then there were other websites that um, sprang up years later about the same case that had even more than we had. They had more of the documentation from later and, uh, you know, just it, it gets crazy. But there's a thing about the armchair detective idea. A lot of people say it's a, you know... It's a bad idea because we could have, if we had been dishonest, we could have altered stuff. We could, we're not official. We can't be investigated. We're not peer reviewed or anything Mm -hmm. like that as far as what we put on the website. We just had, people just really had to take our word that we were being honest. Mm -hmm. And it turns out, you know, of course we were being honest. I I can vouch for that. <laughs> Two honest people here. But you know, you you find a case sometimes. You find a case that just speaks to you, and and we just really honestly just wanted to know what happened, who did this. We just really wanted to solve the crime, not for any other reason than just knowing what happened. And we still don't know what happened. We don't know where it happened. We don't know what happened. We know a little bit more about what happened, which is not at all what the movies say happened. We, you know, well, not the right. movies, the prosecutors say happened. Well, one of the things we were talking about earlier is that feeling of comfort, knowing that the police did their jobs and got the right person. Mm-hmm. That's part of what we like to watch, the procedurals. It, it, we like to watch shows where a, a, a puzzle is solved, a riddle, a mystery, you know, is is solved by following science and following clues putting the pieces together until you finally zero in on the person who did it. That did not happen with the West Memphis three case, the Robin hood Hills murders. And one of the reasons that we were drawn to it was even as lay persons, we were looking at these, at the police proceed, the way the police proceeded in this investigation. And they were very negligent and very dishonest. You know, the the things that they said that they, you know, that were true. They were saying thing, you know, they were saying things that that were um, lies about the defendants and going public with their with their how sure they were that these are the guilty parties and and things like that. You know, it just and and you know changing the case number to six 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 to influence how people thought about these kids who were being accused so of being devil worshippers. And they testified, you know, they asked the the guy like, "What's the case number?" You know, as though that's important. Like yeah. the case number, and but and, it's so scary. And the in the way the uh, the police officer <laughs> ominously says the case number was six six six, and the gasps <gasps> from the jury, <laughs> like this. Oh, that solves it. Yeah. yeah, it's the mark of the beast. It's the devil. <laughs> There's but, a lot of that now. Well, also just watching true uh, these true crime things, you just you know you want to believe in the police and yeah. mm-hmm. doing the right thing, but then you sadly. It's not always yeah. the case. Bad guys don't always get caught. They don't always have to pay. They sometimes just get away with it. Sometimes the police are the bad guys. And sometimes yeah. they are not necessarily bad guys, but they just don't. They're in over their heads. 
They and want then, the case to go away. Right. right. They want this to be done. They, they don't want to close want, it's like, it. It's like the one from Serial, the Adnan Syed case yes. in Baltimore. It's the same exact yeah. thing. They just, they got them. I don't want to open this back up. It's over. Let's forget about it. Because they get a lot of heat from the public. They get a lot of um, criticism from people saying, why aren't you solving this? I don't feel safe. My children aren't safe. Mm-hmm. In, West, in West Memphis, um, that was part of a, the police were getting, a lot of the parents were saying, we can't let our kids out. Somebody's out there murdering children, and yep. you guys are doing nothing. You're doing nothing. So, so it's they almost unheard of that three eight year old kids will be killed at the same time. Unrelated. That's almost like super rare. Never happens. Unrelated ch- children. Yeah, unrelated. Not even from the same family. Like yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But so. but speaking about that that desire to to find the bad guy, you know, and and how we sort of got sucked into this case, the West Memphis Three case not necessarily being armchair detectives, but trying to figure out a way to compile information and understand what happened and to maybe, if we could, help generate interest in the case and try to maybe you know keep interest up, which I think we did for a number of years. Mm-hmm. But that compulsion um, to solve a murder is... There's a, a movie that, just, that we all just watched called A Dark Place... It's on Netflix streaming. Is it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stars Andrew. Oh, that's where I saw it. <laughs> it's got Andrew Scott, the actor Andrew Scott. And if you saw the um, Sherlock Holmes series with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, um, Andrew Scott played Moriarty. So great. And he is a completely Love different him. person in this film. Yeah. But the same kind of quirky, like, oh, not a Nick Cage crazy way, but he brings something really unexpected to yeah. roles like that. Like, he played Moriarty in a way I would never have thought of. Yeah. Yes. And then he did the same thing here. Mm-hmm. A really unique character I haven't quite seen on film before. And it's a, it's a style of acting you can't take your eyes off. It's, it's a, um, and you want to watch it again because there's so many little nuances to his performance and little details. And it's the type of a character that uh, could have gone really wrong. Yeah. Someone not as skilled or as good at being realistically quirky could have completely ruined that character. Quirky meaning also like on the spectrum in some ways. Yeah. He's an unusual guy. Mm -hmm. He's a garbage man and he's got some mental problems that they never really go into. No, and at first you don't really know that. You're just watching him. Okay, he's a garbage man in a small town. It's set in western Pennsylvania. Uh, oddly enough, it's it's uh, the production team and almost all the actors are from uh, England, and you know, British and Irish. And they pull it off yeah. really well, which is really hard to do. A lot of times you can tell, ah, this is, doesn't quite seem right, but they do a great job of it. But anyway, the first one of the early scenes is he's in the garbage truck with his uh, partner, and uh, he always would see like this little kid waving to him in the in the uh, in his ha- house from his bedroom. It was just something he looked forward to when he was doing his daily, you know, picking up the garbage. One one week he doesn't see that kid, and that's how it starts. Yeah. Like, well, he what? sees the family out in front looking like they're waiting, and and then he hears through various sources that the little boy is missing, right. the, the younger son is missing, and and uh, is. And he just gets interested in it, you know. He gets to wondering, you know. And at one point, I think one of the things that is a turning point is he feels so bad because he really liked the little, liked seeing the little boy wave at him. He goes up and and uh, says, "I'm sorry for your loss." To the mom, and she says, "He didn't wander away." 
So he he gets this little seed of something. There's not there's something not quite right. The little boy didn't just drown mm-hmm. in the creek. The mom has some suspicions. The mom, you know, is in, sitting on the front porch, you know, grief stricken, and the garbage man comes up and says, "I'm sorry." I used to wave at your little boy in the window and I'm sorry. And and she just kind of opens up to him for just a second. Mm -hmm. And that's what sets him off on this mission, sort of like a quest because it does, it's the ma, the mother of the victim says, I don't think that's what happened. So it's, it starts him on his quest and he starts trying to kind of solve this murder, but then he gets in over his head. There's something deeper, something under the surface. Well, part of it, too, I think, you know, he felt like he, he was missing sort of something meaningful in his life. He had a daughter that he was totally devoted to, which their scenes together are really great. Too. Yeah. But it's with a woman he never really, uh, he was with like one night, I think yeah. they said. Yeah. And she was so drunk, she said. She he was keeps there. thinking, we're going to get married. She's like, no, we're not. Yeah. And we're not. She has no interest in him. And I think he feels really untethered. And so for him... They sort of establish he's very regimented, like in the truck, you know, he's wearing the hat. He wears this weird hat. She's like, why are you wearing a hat? It's 100 degrees. He goes, it's my garbage hat. It's what I always wear. It's my work hat. And then he's, you know, she doesn't close the garbage can or something. He goes, you got to close the garbage cans. Like he's very specific about how. And it's like a 10 minute scene in the truck. Which is really funny. Yeah, it is. It is. But it sort of sets you on like he he lives in a very ordered life. And there's a couple of scenes where he dumps out a box of pens and lines his pens up on the floor by color. Yeah, it's like almost like a soothing thing for him to put order. Like he wants order in his life. So I think when the little boy wasn't there to wave, it's sort of like it, it was that little empty spot that wasn't ordered to him anymore so he had to make it make sense he's got it so he felt very he had um, to get that boy back up there right or to you know to get back everything in order you yeah. know so and he, he could continue he had on. to figure it out like he felt very compelled and because i think he felt a little bit like he didn't really have anyone in his life he had sort of this like meaningless job you know he felt a little like he had no no purpose this gave him something to do so he fills that up real quick <laughs> He well, there's a, there's also a kind of a suggestion. I, I I was kind of wondering if they were going to approach this in, in the film, but I don't think they did. But there was sort of to me there it felt like there was a suggestion that he was the way he was because of some traumatic thing that happened to him when he was young, and maybe he suffered some abuse that gave him this sort of a a mental, you know. He was like OCD or something. You know, he, so there was some. You don't really get the impression that he's got brain damage, but he's affected. He's got an emotional disorder, mm-hmm. and you kind of wonder. And and when he starts getting these hints that maybe there was some child abuse involved, and that that and also that the investigators didn't do an autopsy for some reason. And there's all these little things that he starts thinking, why didn't they do an autopsy? What are they trying to hide? But the um, my, my impression, and he also goes and interviews, uh, or, or you know, interviews. <laughs> he, he goes and talks to a guy. He's he's kind of like at that point calling himself an investigator at a couple of times. And this is a small town. Everybody yeah. knows it's a Pennsylvania Donnie. town. Yeah, and right. so everybody knows him. He knows that he's the garbage man. And yeah, like, it's also some people are going. Well, why is he so involved in this? Right. It, it doesn't look good in yeah. some ways. Like you know, all of a sudden he maybe the, the, he's involved somewhat. Right, because yeah. he's already a weirdo. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But he talks to one guy who. Um, had been sexually abused as a child and the guy seems really messed up and and suddenly there's a person in the film who seems a little bit more messed up than Donnie, you know, mm-hmm. and Donnie actually tries to comfort the guy and it was kind of a poignant scene where there's two people who seem to have you know this 
pain is damage, you know, emotional damage. Well, I like, I mean, I liked how they kind of set the two um, mental sort of, not disorders, but the difference between him being like slightly autistic versus this guy who's suffering from traumatic abuse. So he has a whole right. different, <clears throat> a whole different kind of, you know, mental problem from that. These are not the same things and they aren't even classified together at all. And so right. I like that they did kind of make a distinction between the two things, which I thought was really well done. Cause I, I never thought they overplayed his, his character in a cartoony, unrespectful way. Not at all. And that's it what kept really him well on done. track. I mean, I think his character is so sort of, you buy into the character and you want and, and I have to say, it's a little. It could be. It could have been a little bit quicker pace for me. But yeah, uh, you saw it the second time, and you sort of got into like the flow of it, the slower yeah. pace. I wasn't ex- when I first saw it. I was expecting kind of a more amped up murder. Well, it's called a dark show. place, yeah. which feels you know it was originally it's called it was originally called Steel Country, right. which just seems like more of like a maybe yeah. an apt, but maybe not a sellable. Right. Title, right. Yeah, know. it's sort of like too obscure. Like, right. what is it? Yeah. Even though I think that title probably is closer to the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, he does go to a dark place. <laughs> yes. But um, I think part of it is it's a very slow burn, and it's more a character study of the sort of um, small town, you know, comfort and um, alienation you can feel by being, you know, he's he's this, he's, like I said, this untethered kind of guy in a small town with no real options, you know. So, he was trying to find something to, you know, in that town that he could, he could, you know, be sort of a hero. Like he wanted to sort of be somebody. It becomes and, very important to him. Yeah. And, and all else. It was yeah. really, I mean, when you look at it that way and you're expect you're just enjoying Andrew Scott's performance, which is pretty incredible. I mean, if you're just there to watch him do his thing, you'll enjoy the movie. You know, if you're expecting this kind of, wow, this crazy, you know, true detective, which technically I thought felt a lot like the last season of true detective, you'll probably like it. Cause it's more of a character, character study, inside the sort of construct of a murder mystery because you never know this kid the kid is a complete catalyst you don't know who he is you've never met him you don't really know anything about him you don't really care about him because you never knew who he was he's just like this thing that starts the series of events i I think your comparison to uh, true detective season three is pretty on target because it's the sort of lower middle class families you know like a divorce or you know just one night stands turn into something you know something more and of course missing or uh, dead children, etc. So it works. It's funny too. I mean, there's a great scene where he's he he had just talked to these these kids about you know trying to interview them. He was like right. a, a grief counselor. Like he makes up these weird like <laughs> positions that don't exist. And he's walking away and he's talking to his friend. He's like that kid had the IQ of a spoon. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was such a funny thing coming out of his mouth. Yeah. It's like so funny. Well, the interesting thing about Andrew, Andrew Scott's performance, and it, it, it's right on a fine line. You know, when anybody plays somebody who's mentally different, it's very difficult. You, you, you run the risk of making it comical, like you were saying. Or another thing that they run the risk of, which, you know, people get away with it all the time, is making them too cute and too yeah. lovable. Like, I always think of Rain Man. You know, people go, oh, yeah, people that you know autistic people are so cute and fun you know and it's like not always you know Mm -hmm. they're like all of us they have ups and downs and there can be very difficult to deal with and the the character that andrew scott plays in this is not a cute you know he's not a, a cute character at all he's really annoying in some yeah. ways and my heart was aching for him yeah. because you're really rooting for him but you know there's just he just can't he can only do so much and you just felt really bad for me he's really trying i mean i i love how he's sort of disheveled 
He yeah. tries to make himself look good, but he never really quite pulls it together. And he goes to talk to these people, like detectives and, and doctors, like, you know, coroners. And they'll go, who are you again? Like, yeah. like wait, now, who sent you? Why and are when you he here? Tells like, them, no one really was buying it, but they sort of go. Ah. And there's a subtle thing that all the actors, the characters in the film do when he tells them who he is and they realize and they remember and there's a really interesting response that they all have they go oh yeah donnie yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like they remember him from high school and right. like oh i remember you yeah yeah. He, yeah and they don't come out and say it but the the scenes with him and the mother of his of his girl i mean he the one time in the film the only time in the film when he when he seems completely comfortable and happy and almost normal is when he's with his little girl. Yeah. Those are great scenes. They relate to each other really well. She loves him. She accepts him. He wants wants to be a father so bad. Yeah. And he feels bad that this other kid, you know, uh, what happened to him. And so Mm -hmm. he's sort of like, he's got that same feeling. Like I want to figure out, I want to help this child. And their relationship so is really good. The girl is great. The actress who plays her is so good. She just is except she accepts. So matter him. of fact, yeah. She's like, Dad, don't embarrass me. But she didn't say it like because he's embarrassing. Like she said, any kid says to her dad, yeah, don't do anything embarrassing. Go, don't go talk to that guy. You don't need to do this. Get out. You know. <laughs> but she didn't totally write him off no. because she. I think she kind of understands that her dad is a little bit off. But mm-hmm. she's he's her dad and she loves yeah. him. And the 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 woman who played the uh, mother of the um, of the girl uh, Denise Go, um, who plays Linda, she's really good in a scene where he confronts her in a parking lot, <laughs> where Poor he's thing. he imagines that maybe they can get married so that they can be a mom and dad to the girl, but she you know. The daughter, you know, is the is the product of sort of a one night stand, and she basically just tells him she's like, "Look, Donnie, that was one night. And we were I, both drunk. No, we weren't. Yes, we were drunk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she's, and she kind of lets it out at one point, which is really heartbreaking. Where she says, "It's embarrassing when it gets back to me," and then he's like, "Why is it embarrassing?" Yeah, yeah it's really sad. And she yeah. says, "Donnie, do you want me to say it?" Yeah, yeah, it was really yeah. sad. And it's that's the closest I think the film gets to anyone actually telling him. Yeah, but he, and then I think he says, "Do you think I like the way I am? I hate what I am." And so he's aware that he's not hundred percent. I feel like too that was almost a turning point for him because I remember, like, it's a super slow burn. He's trying to solve this. They find this little boy's boy's missing. Then they find his body in a river. So he's drowned. End of story. So he he starts. There's little seeds of doubt playing the fact the kid wouldn't run away. Um, yeah, the, the fact mom that said he, he wasn't just, the kind of kid who yeah. would run away. And like, and what, your kid just runs into a river and drowns? That doesn't make any sense. So he's he's definitely thinking there's something up. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of the slow burn where he starts talking to people, and then all of a sudden it takes this like wah, this really hard turn and him doing these really amped up things that uh, I feel yeah. like a little <laughs> bit, a little bit probably too far. Um, I think for this character, maybe not. But well, should I we think, go spoiler? Should we? We can go a little yeah, tell me, tell me It's sort of a deep dive. Spoiler. But he he goes after the father of the boy. Um, yes. So he chases him down with his truck. He's like yeah. going to run over him, yeah. and he's being he's like revving the engine. He's being like, "Did you do it?" And he's just. I'm just thinking. I don't. I don't know. It just seems like he's this quiet little guy and then all of a sudden he's like ah i'm gonna run over this guy with my car but but he did that at the end too yeah you know like, well yeah he did yeah so yeah that's what i mean like it just felt though i almost wanted to be a more subtle because the whole movie was so even keel i just felt like that big jump 
But well, it was would. fun to watch. But I wonder, he did kind of blow up a couple times, though. Well, his emotions were spazzes. kind of these. Yeah. But yeah. this was a planning. Like, he's in his truck. He's going after the guy. Like, it wasn't like he all of a sudden got mad about it. I mean, he went going in. Like, he was there. Yeah. I don't know. It just felt like a little bit of a leap, but not as a big a leap as the very end, which I was like a little disappointed because I was really rooting for the character. Yeah. Unfortunately, that it. scene had a trope in it that is a, is a pet peeve. Should I even bring it up? I don't know. This is a nah, a, well, a, a, yeah. a small no, negative, but no. it's an interesting thing to notice. There's a there's a thing that happens only in movies when when someone wants to confront someone or threaten someone or chase someone with a vehicle, where the person who is going to be chased walks right down the middle of the road. Yes, I hate that. <laughs> I know, I know. It's crazy. Yeah. So the guy, the, the father of the victim, takes the dog out for a walk, and he walks right down the middle of the street so that so that the you know Donnie can drive behind him really slowly with the headlights off, and then doosh, he turns the headlights on. And that to me, that was a little bit of a little bit of a trope. And then when he's chasing him, of course the guy runs in a straight line instead of ducking off immediately to the right. You know, yeah, going down a driveway in the back of a house, or yeah. whatever, you know, what anybody should do. But it was yeah. a little bit awkwardly staged. <laughs> Even though I feel like maybe because it's Donnie, you know, and no one was ever really afraid of him. He's a garbage guy, and he's kind of this what everyone thinks was kind of a simple guy that he wasn't. He just felt like. I'm not supposed to be scared of him, right? Like, like there's sort of this unreality about it. Like, there's no the, way he would run over me. with. Well, but he didn't, didn't know the truck was behind him when he was walking down the middle of the street. And then suddenly the headlights come on and he turns around. Well, and, I know, but in a small town like that, I mean, I walk down the middle of my street sometimes with our dogs because no one's ever driving on You better be careful. It. Well, now I'm going to have someone chasing me in a truck. <laughs> suddenly headlights come on. But I can see like this sort of comfort with this small town, no one's ever on your street thing where you're just sort of walking around just sort of casually and that someone come after you like, wait, what? The sort of unreality yeah. feeling where you wouldn't react properly. Going back to your point about like sudden that sudden violence seems out of character. It might have worked better and maybe it was in the movie and I missed it that in, in his past before you know, when he was younger, mm-hmm. something happened right. that was like showed mm-hmm. that he had a violent streak. That hey maybe he can go there yeah you know with a car with That's a truck true. or a weapon or something they didn't really do yeah. that I don't think you know, he had yeah. little flashes of temper that were abrupt yeah. and sudden and like kind right. of out of nowhere which I thought were really well done because yeah. very well it, done yeah. it was a perfect sort of like he just couldn't control his emotions yeah um, even though in that same vein there was a scene I think was just so great was where he's trying to collect evidence so he gets this trash from yeah. the house he doesn't go through the trash so he jumps in the trash truck with the bag of trash and his partner the woman with him uh, she's like what donna donna why are you why, why are you bring a trash can into the truck yeah, yeah. it's like i've got to look through it so then he's he's getting she's like oh no you shouldn't do this so she starts going at him like trying what are you doing what are you doing so his hearing it all kind of starts going quiet and kind of this ringing of the ears like he's sort of like you can feel like you're inside his head yeah and then he like he wants to clear his head so he starts kind of popping his jaw like you're trying right. to pop your ears and in the soundtrack you hear the popping like he's pop pop trying to pop his so well done him trying to like it yeah. just really felt like you were feeling like that's what it's like to be in his head where it's just like full of bees almost just yeah, like right. and he's always trying to clear it by you know cracking his jaw it was a really really well done scene i thought and you know the actress who played his partner in the in the garbage truck i at the beginning of the film you think okay she's gonna just be this character you mm-hmm. see a little bit but she becomes a really important character and actually becomes uh, the casting in this is really good uh, her character is uh, the characters have depth in yeah. the film, yeah. which is something. Each character has depth. There's a they have a backstory. They have a little bit of an edge to them. They have reality to them. 
And it's done in things like the it's done in the performance. It's done in in other really nice storytelling ways. Like he goes to Donna's house at one point or her trailer and he's sitting in her house and you see he's looking around and you see what he's looking at. She's got all these rifles up. She hunts, I guess. She's got photographs of her sort of partying with her friends. And you see other little little uh, prop details, little set dressing details that I, I just love when stories can be told a little bit with set dressing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they fill in so much. Yeah, you just instantly go, I know her, I get that. And also yeah. the, their relationship is, you know, you think, oh, this is the way it's going to be, and then it turns, you know, it becomes much deeper and much yeah. more interesting. All the all the relationships, yeah, between uh, not what you would think a person who would know Donnie in a movie would act. You right. Know, at him. It's, it's unexpected. It's yeah. different. It's like, oh, they treat him differently than, than you would see in other movies. Well, at the beginning so. of the film, I expected her character just to be kind of an antagonist. I thought yeah. she was going to be the character who just, you know, makes fun of him and says shitty things to him. And, the you know, that's it. That's all she does. But no, she becomes a really integral, interesting character with a lot of depth. And, and interested in him. Yeah. In many, you know, in many ways. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, she becomes. It's a, surprising and a very subtle. It's a subtle film, subtly very, surprising. Very That's why I call it that way. You know, similar to um, Pet the, Cemetery, the film on Netflix. No, <laughs> it's a jam. The uh, the um, oh god, now I'm blanking out. The other dark, uh, the Jerry, Jeremy Solinger. Oh, hold the dark. Hold the dark. Oh, very similar in tone to that, only because it was very dark, small town. I mean, he was a real investigator, but it has that very low key character study kind of thriller aspect. The only other thing, I mean, they, these are small quibbles. The um, it's not super spoiler, but you don't sort toward the end. I I didn't really think he would go as far as he did with the coroner. Right. I liked the scene. I mean, I thought the scene was funny, but I'm like, what? No, that no. took him into another. That took him into a dark place. That took him into another zone. That I think. I, that that's like too much. Right. So I, I felt like that was a bit too much. We can say a little bit what it is. It yeah. Spoiler respond. alert. Watch the film Watch first the film. and then Spoilers. listen to this. Yeah. But um, basically he, he goes to the coroner's office and he wants the court that since the autopsy was never performed, he wanted some, an autopsy done. He didn't understand right. why it wasn't. So what does he do? He goes and takes up the kid's body, puts it in the back of his truck, takes it to the coroner and goes, Hey, come out to my truck and see. And the coroner's like, for real. And he goes out there and he's like, what did you do? To me, what was weird about that scene is it just ends. Yeah. Yes. What happens to the body? Yeah. Right. Why didn't he go to jail for desecrating? Like it just seemed like a weird, out of well, nowhere. It scene. actually does. I thought that too. But what I what I imagined happened was the coroner took the body, and and Donnie left, and the coroner took the body and called the police and said that guy Donnie was just here and he right. actually did this, this, and that, and he brought and I have it, um, and then. When Donnie gets home, that's when the police officer drives up in front of his house and says, "Donnie, right. get in the car." Yeah. So I think I think the police were, in, you know, kind of in a way, not really. I don't know where they were kind of a little bit in on it, but not. They just didn't want him to mess with the status quo. They wanted him to shut odd. up. They thought he was just a weirdo and just be quiet. I, I felt the cop knew kind of, you know, leave this alone. Yeah. You know, but way. it still seemed but, like a weird scene to leave because yeah. there's a kid wrapped up in a like a quilt in the right. back of his truck, but they never show or explain or anything. It just ends and then we're, we're assuming 
the yeah. stuff happened. We're assuming, but they never. Re- and I feel like that's something that could have been filled in very quickly with the scene where mm-hmm. he just, you know, the guy picks up the kid and drives away, leaving the corner holding the kid or something. But they just, it, it was a little bit odd. I did appreciate the scene because it was actually kind of like, oh my god, this took a really dark turn into black comedy almost. Or but. a scene of Donnie in handcuffs at the coroner's office somewhere yes. where the police officer saying, Donnie, I'm going to let you go and I yes. want you to not talk about this because I don't want the kid's parents to that know right. that this happened to their child. Right. We're going to keep this quiet. Because he can't let this guy just, this is a small town. It's not like they don't know where he is or who he is. It's, you know. Yeah, and yeah. I just think it was that was like too much. I like, how yeah. much? I always think when when people are, they're, they're, the scene of digging up a grave yeah it just seems like oh we're just gonna dig up this grave that's gonna take all night oh it's not he's a little skinny guy that's gonna take 24 hours i I don't know how long it's not gonna take it's not just a coffin that you find down there sometimes put them in vaults and things like that but it's yeah it's it's one of those things that works so well in pet cemetery which i referenced earlier you guys got the reference (laughs) but the um you know it works in pet cemetery because that guy is just so driven and Mm -hmm. right in the way stephen king writes it and they buried him in the pet cemetery it wasn't a coffin it was like buried shallow graves out in the middle no he digs him up in the cemetery oh the original one that's right yeah he did and he takes his little boy from the real cemetery into the pet cemetery oh yeah at least in the book i haven't seen the new movie but i haven't seen the new movie I but don't in, want to see a new movie. Too much animal stuff. No way. In this one, yeah, you're right. <laughs> a, one guy with a shovel digging up a kid. That's it's, a, I've seen it so many times in yeah. movies that just it doesn't. I mean, I know what it is to just like try to get a shovel into dirt. Right. Last time you <laughs> dug up a grave, yeah. it was a lot harder well, than you thought it was going to be. <laughs> digging up bodies is hard. It's tough. Tell us about that time no, you dug up a grave. <laughs> I'm trying to replant a little ficus. I know. It's like <laughs> 12 hours. I know, right? <laughs> so, but, but, but besides the, a few missteps or Actually, the missteps are a little bit, I think, of a disservice to the character, but ultimately very fun to watch. Well, (laughs) and then the ending, too, it was one of those – the slow – the slowness of the film, it it really lingers. It lingers. It keeps you on – on scenes and it keeps you in places, which I usually like. I really, mm-hmm. and I like it in this one to a mm-hmm. degree, but I felt like the story, you know, when you, when you think about the story, um, it didn't, to me, it didn't quite have enough mm-hmm. to, to, for me to, to, for me to, um, justify all the slowness, the slow getting to the end of this film. And then when you get to the end of it, it's like, Oh, it was, it was the person he thought it was. And he, you know, he there's does not, what he there's, does. There's not twists and turns that, like, you know, a couple along the way that make you go, hmm, okay, it's going a different direction. It's sort of like, okay, this is just what, what it is. I wanted there That's, to be a, an ending to the... It's It seemed like the kind of story that was taking you somewhere. It was taking you down this long journey and you're going to you're going to really be blown away by where I'm taking you, you know. But at the end, it really wasn't... A, you weren't blown away. You were just... Like, oh, that's who did Again, it. Again, fun to watch. And I, I remember yeah. I appreciated a scene where they just have a, a shot of him, a close-up, and he's just sitting, and there's this beautiful dark sunset happening. And then all of a sudden you see these sparkly lights on either side of his head, and yeah. you realize they're police lights, super you know glowy, blurry in the background. Beautifully shot. I mean, yeah. this whole film is gorgeous. Yeah. Like, the opening shot. montage of the credits was just stunning. Like, just this small-town vignettes. Oh, was so well done. So... As much as like the story's pretty slight, it's still got lots to watch there's and appreciate. There's atmosphere and there's a great, there's a lot of great performance, but there's a great singular yeah. performance. Yeah. Yes. And that's, you know, 
tough to, you know, you don't see that all yeah. the time in uh, this kind of a picture. And very different from his Sherlock character. <laughs> it's a film that where, you know, everybody, all the performances in it are great. The, the photography is great. The the uh, the score was really interesting. It had a really disturbing sort of sound, mm-hmm. not so much musical, but the the kind of almost Hans Zimmer, um, Dark Knight kind of a yeah. vibe to it with this pulsing sound and and other kind of rhythmic sounds and it kind of gives the impression of of somebody's mind in a in an unusual state you know um the soundtrack was really interesting there's so much good about this film but i felt like the only thing that i wasn't 100 w- percent uh loving was the story itself and again like like this last season of true detective which i know burke you haven't seen yet, i've not seen but it. mark you saw it right yeah. the whole thing mm-hmm. That it had that same thing, but I mean a lot more complex um, stuff going on because I time jumped a lot, right. which was great. But it had that same. There's this singular little mystery. Not a. It's almost like the mystery is almost beside the point in this. It's not the point of that. Yeah, and it's not. The it's ending like was so mystery. beautiful. Yeah. Like it was such. It was, it was linear, but it felt like this almost almost unexpected but beautiful ending that you weren't expecting. Um, not this big wow bang ending, but it was this sort of like wow that was pretty great, you know. Um, I wish that it had a little bit more of that in this. I mean, it was a very dark ending where it's True Detective had a, actually shockingly a really upbeat ending, <laughs> which is very strange. But it still had that just appreciate for the characters and the way they interact and and what they're doing in each scene. It's sort of that. It's more of that. They they nailed a small town. Yeah. You know, like the small town. The people. attitudes. Yeah, it just felt like, okay, this is real. Yeah. yeah and again, like... it was shot by, uh, you know, uh, folks from England. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> folks. Set, set in, uh, you know, outside, like a suburb of, not a suburb, but like Western Pennsylvania, mm. and uh, but filmed in uh, Georgia. Of yeah. course, where everything is filmed. I always right. should. I must, they have a great film board there. <laughs> Lots of tax breaks. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but, but yeah, one, ultimately, one the, I recommend it. Yeah, it's one of those things, you know, Netflix is it. filled with those kind of movies. That I don't if think you, it's on Netflix. Really? I think it's on Amazon. Huh. Maybe it moved. We had a special link. Because we're special. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> we got. But Oops, yeah, I don't know screeners. What, sorry. You where don't you'll know find where it. it is. Just it's, look it'll for be out soon anyway. Can, yeah, I think it's brand new. It right? just got or, released. I think this weekend. Uh, I'm not sure. Right. Brand new, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Look for it, people. We're being really bad promoting. That was Hold the Dark and Into the Dark and uh, Hold the Dark yeah. is Netflix. <laughs> yeah. A dark place, I think, is Amazon. But you'll find it. Yeah, it's one of yeah. those dark it. movies. Yeah. But the yeah. the name of it is. A dark, a dark place. A dark place. Yes. A dark place. You're going yeah. to a dark. place. And there are two t- two movies that came out in 2018 called A Dark Place. And there's Into the Dark, <laughs> so, which is something else we should talk about. <laughs> but look for the if you if you want to see this one, look for the one that's called A Dark Place, and it's got Andrew Scott in it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, and it's brand new. Yeah, and definitely worth worth a watch. I mean, if if you can if you like. The character studies. If I mean, we've pretty much described it. I think we described it pretty well. Yeah. But it is a slow. It's a slow movie, and it's got some. It has some high points in it. It has some yes. really you know action and some it's not threats. Super gory. And there's guns that come out and people almost die. And you know, there's there's some really scary, threatening things and yeah. and uh, and mystery and uh, that sort of under you know the dark the David Lynch things happening underneath the surface of a lovely small town. And uh, it's got all those kind of elements, a little maybe I don't know, kind of. Um, it felt very Stephen King to me. A that bit, one quirky little character who's got yeah. this mission. 
There's the movie uh, Jeremy Salney's first film. It's called Blue Ruin. Did you ever yes, see it? Yes, yes, very similar to that. So, that yeah. kind of reminded me of that. Not as amped up. Not that no. one's very like muscular and yes. thriller esque. This and one's a, more like and, and it has Eve Plum. Oh, oh. yeah, that's right. <laughs> wow. Well, now we gotta watch it. Yeah. Uh, I'll watch this, anything this is, with Eve Plum. This is more crime drama than crime yes. thrill, though it has thrilling moments. Yes, it does. Yeah. yeah, and it's definitely a crime, and the crime gets solved. You know, we do That's find true. out who did it and why, and there are dark aspects to it, like people that mm-hmm. made horrible decisions and allowed things to happen, and, you know, mm-hmm. things are uncovered. Ugliness is uncovered. and The dark um, underbelly of the small town. It just, for some reason, it, it didn't quite, I wasn't quite... Like, oh my God, what a great ending, you know? <laughs> yeah. Even though, like I said, I watched it twice. And then the first time I was calling, huh, I don't know. But the second time, I really enjoyed it a lot more. I think because I wasn't expecting the big thriller from it. Yeah. I think it gave me time to more appreciate just Andrew Scott more in it and um, just how things were shot. You know, I just paid more attention to things on around, you know, yeah. the production value versus like expecting things from it. Right, right, right. right. Well, check it out. Darwin's telling us it's time to end this review. It's a a worthwhile watch. Time to give a snack to the dog. (laughs) Hey, Darwin. Okay. All right. So that's that'll be it for this episode of Cinemondo. Yes. Say say good night, Gracie. (laughs) Good night, Gracie. (laughs) Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, cinemondopodcast.com. The Instagram one is really fun. It is fun. And also, you know, I have a blog. Yes. Mark's blog it's, called Mark's blog. It's fascinating reading. <laughs> it is. <laughs> They're always like little. It's it's sort of like every episode we have. Mark writes something about the episode, a little bit, or or yeah. information around basically either the kind of movie or the genre. But it's it, it's a nice addition. It's not just like a retread. It's like a little bit more information. And it's it's you know it's opinion. And feel free to say Mark doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Know, especially <laughs> since Mark keeps the comments turned off most of these. But but you can feel free Nobody to gets email comment. us comments. What's he trying to hide? <laughs> he's trying to censor us. Is this the way an innocent person acts, Mark. I'll be crushed if I... For first negative comment, I'm out. You yeah. won't get any because you won't turn any comments on. See, it's win-win for me. <laughs> All right. Good night, everyone. See you guys. Take, thanks, thanks for listening. Take care. This is Cinemondo signing off. <laughs>